Hi, welcome to the Axe Church UK weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired and blessed by today's message. Enjoy. Today, we're so blessed to just, uh, uh, you know, open up God's Word. And uh, for those of you who are joining us for the first time, you know, this is something we do in church. And uh, we try to, uh, you know, open up the Word of God and uh, learn from it, draw points, truths, and uh, ultimately we believe that this, you know, the Bible is the Word of God, and uh, from it flows all the answers about life, from it flows our salvation, from it flows our confidence, uh, and uh, we want to be able to, you know, not just hear uh, God's Word and let our information increase, but we want to be transformed, amen? Uh, we want to walk away from this room changed, you know, a little bit more courageous, a little bit more full of faith, a little bit more healed a little bit more uh, happier, uh, healthier, because uh, we believe that God heals, amen, uh, through His Word as well. And uh, this whole year, we've been going through the series uh, called The Good Series, unpacking and discovering about the goodness of God, because there are a lot of bad news in the world. How many can agree with that, amen? And I hope that you have not been a recent recipient of that. But if, if, you, if you are, if you have been, good news, the good news is this, that, that you're found in church right now. The good news is this, that we have a God who can intervene into every situation. And so we are in this study of uh, no good, the nature of good, and how only God is good. And so today's title, if you're taking down notes, is called Goodness and Mercy. Goodness and Mercy. And to help us understand that, I want us to turn to Psalm chapter 23, and we're going to read the whole psalm. Psalm 23 only has six verses. It is very beautiful. It is very powerful. It is actually written by David, uh, otherwise also known as King David, one of the most famous uh, and influential kings in the entire nation and history of Israel. Uh, this is someone who got picked out from a young boy uh, to you know, put him on the throne to lead his people. And uh, Psalm 23 is considered uh, one of his most beautiful, one of his most you know, uh, perfect psalms. And uh, it encourages, it challenges because it's the Word of God. That's why it does both. Uh, and uh, you know, scholars are split. Some people believe that he started writing this psalm when he was a young boy and then, started, and then finished it when he was older. Uh, some people believe that he wrote it when he was older, looking back at his life. But, you know, no matter how you look at it, the truth is it's written by a king. And uh, no, back then, there was no social media, there was no news outlet agencies. So for a king to pen down this very powerful, you know, psalm, a.k.a. poem, a.k.a. songs of praise to God, uh, he's not just, you know, writing, creating a beautiful uh, religious song. He's also penning down uh, almost like a mini memoir. And he's almost panning down uh, principles uh, that led him to where he is at that stage in his life, which was on the throne. And so when we read Psalm 23, don't just be carried away with the poetry of it. But today we want to unpack some of the life principles. And in other words, you no, know, David, in a while we're going to learn, he's trying to give us the secret to his success. And the secret to success is linked with God's goodness and mercy. But let's start reading, shall we? Because that's enough chit-chat. And uh, so let's read together. Psalm 23, uh, since we have it flashed out on the screen, uh, for everyone's benefit, let's do it together as a church, shall we? It's always good to read the Word of God. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. 
He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Wow. Amen. Amen. How many were blessed by that? Amen. How many of you, Psalm 23 is your, is your favorite psalm? You know, how many of you are saying that because that's the only psalm you know? You know, homework. Go back. Find your favorite psalm. You know, my favorite psalm is Psalm chapter 40. And maybe one day I'll preach on it. And why it's special to me is because Psalm chapter 40 was the psalm that, that God used to, to confirm my full-time calling. But that's another message for another day. So, over here, let's focus on verse 6. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. What is goodness? I think we all understand goodness. Goodness means good, right? And the most common saying for the word goodness is, out of the goodness of my heart, right? And maybe your friend is saying, oh, can you, can you help me buy something, you know? Uh, uh, I'm running out of eggs and, and, and can you help me? Uh, can you go to Asda and help me buy some eggs? And then you agree, but then with one caveat, I'm only doing this out of the goodness of my heart, right? And we say this. And, and this is essentially what goodness is. It means that doing good for the sake of good, no strings attached. And, and David spells this out earlier when he says this about God's character. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for His name's sake. It's not for my name's sake. You know, he, God is saying that, no, I'm not doing it for you. I'm doing it because it's in my nature to do good. Amen? So that's, that's God's goodness. Amen? And mercy, of course, we understand. Mercy, a beautiful word that needs no further explanation. We all need mercy, don't we? You know, whether it's you, a, a brilliant student, at the, you know, maybe you have a second upper, so very near, maybe just one point away from your first class honour, and then you run to your lecturer and say, mercy. Mercy. Maybe you're just one point, you know, uh, away from failing and you're asking, you know, the lecture, mercy, mercy. You know, maybe, you know, you're, you're one day you forgot your Oyster card and you hop on the bus and then the, the person comes and checks all the Oyster cards and go, no, 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 I have it. I just, I just, know mercy, mercy. We understand mercy, right? Mercy means that help me. I'm undeserving of your help, but would you help me? And so what's very beautiful about this is this. David says, Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Now, that phrase alone is beautiful. Follow me. Wow. How many of you would love to have God's goodness and mercy follow you all the days of your life? Wow, well, I, I would love for that to happen. But actually, the original Hebrew translation is closer to this. You know, surely goodness and mercy shall chase after me all the days of my life. Wow, wow, can you imagine that? God's not just letting His goodness linger, flow over you, but He's, he's, he's pursuing you with it. And David uses this beautiful picture. You know, if the Lord is my shepherd, He leads us in front then goodness and mercy are like the under-shepherds. 
Goodness and mercy are like the rear guards that, that protect the flock of God from behind. You know, because our back is always our most exposed. And uh, as I was reading this, I was like, wow. And then the Holy Spirit gave me this other example, which, you know, this is purely for illustration. And God says that if God is the shepherd, then goodness and mercy are the names of His sheepdogs. That they encircle the flock and make sure that every one of the sheep, you know, continues to be nudged forward, following Him, closer to Him. Amen. No, 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 no response? Oh, maybe, maybe I just missed my dog. I don't know. Maybe, you know, maybe I'm just thinking, yeah, my dog is only half sheepdog. She's half hound, half sheepdog. So half the time she's running ahead of me and then the other half is she's coming back to check me. So at least she comes back. But, but God is saying that, look, you know, this is my nature. I'm a shepherd. But a shepherd takes care of his sheep from the, from, from the front to the back. You know, and, and I'm not sure about you, but, but I want this. You know, I'm not sure about you, but I need this. You know, I need God's goodness to supply my every need and want. You know, because I'm not smart enough to be successful by my own strength. But at the same time, I don't just want success. I'm, I'm most, I also know that I'm a weak person. I know that I make mistakes. I know that I'm broken on the inside. So I need God's mercy. Amen? So God's goodness, and I'm praying this, you know, this is what, this is what David wanted to explain to his people. You, you think I'm a king, and you think that I'm the giant slayer, and he, he, he did slay a giant. And you think that I'm the warrior king, and he is the warrior king. And you think that I'm a rock star, he is, was kind of like a rock star in his time. You know, you think that, you know, I'm a handsome guy, and he was really handsome. But yet, he attributes all of his successes, not to his looks, not to his charisma, but to the point that God is his shepherd. And actually, it is God's goodness and mercy that preserved him. It is God's goodness and mercy that pushes him forward. You know, when I read this, I go like, that's, that's, that's my life. Not, not because I've slayed any giants, but, but any, any form of success or achievement, I really feel in my life is, is notched ahead because of God's goodness and mercy. And I pray and I declare this over all of us, amen, that we will all have enough of God's goodness to supply all of our wants and enough mercy to forgive every sin. Enough goodness to provide and enough mercy to pardon. Enough goodness to protect and enough mercy to pick us up. Amen? And so that is, that is what David wanted his people to know. You know that, yeah, you might look to me as king, but, but I'm only human. And I want you to know that it is God who made me a good king. It is God's goodness and mercy that nudges me from winning battles to battles. So if you want to have the same success, you know, in your life, uh, there are at least three things today. We're going to focus on three things um, that, you know, uh, we can draw from. And the first thing we can do is pretty straightforward. It's spelled out in, in verse 1, is to say yes to God as our shepherd. I'm going to give us three yeses. So the first yes to having goodness and mercy, chase after us. Goodness and mercy, follow after us. And, and David was so confident. He said, surely, surely, is to make God our shepherd. Is to say yes to Jesus and make Him the shepherd of our lives. Now, I know all of you here, because we're all good Christian boys and girls, you'll be saying that, Pastor, come on, you're preaching to the crowd. Of course, of course we've made Jesus our shepherd. But this is where God wants us to do a little bit of heart check. 
You know, it's easy. In the world we live in today, words are so cheap. You know, people say so much, but they mean so little of it. You know, and so we need to check our hearts to say that, am I just saying it? Am I just saying yes, but actually not meaning it? You know, maybe we need to check our hearts. You know, is he your shepherd or is he your servant? Think about it. Many times you go, yeah, yeah, I know God, I believe in God. But we only go to Him when we want something. We only go to Him when we are desperate. And, and, and we only go to Him when we need Him to do something. That, that's, that's not what you do to your Lord and Savior. That's, that's what you do for your servant. You know, run to ask that, get me some eggs. I don't know why I keep using that example, but you get the point. And so, you know, we get to check ourselves. You know, the last time you prayed, friends, was it to connect with God or was it to get something from God? Ouch. Is he your shepherd or is he your second choice? You know, a lot of people, we like to sing the song. Maybe it's a bit too old. My age is saying, Jesus, take the wheel. But for Jesus to take the wheel implies that you were holding on the wheel in the beginning. So how can we say he's my shepherd if I'm holding the wheel and I only pass the wheel to him? He's, I only pass it to him when, when my abilities have come to an end. Is he your shepherd or is he your second choice? Maybe second choice is putting it kindly. You know, a lot of us, we, you know, I, I meet people uh, because as a pastor, people are always very curious about what I do and the moment they find out you know what I do? They go like, you know what? I, I tried God before and He doesn't work. And I go, oh really? I say like, uh, would you like to elaborate? And then they say, yeah. You know, I prayed to God for help. I prayed to God for healing. And, and he, he never did anything. And, and I, you know, of course, depending on my relationship, sometimes if they're just complete strangers, I would just politely nod and go like, oh, that's interesting. If you're interested, we can chat some more. Uh, but, you know, if, if you're a believer and you think that, you know, imagine how you would feel if a friend of yours uh, who you have not seen for the last five months uh, come up to you suddenly uh, on the streets and says that, Sam, I need 50 pounds from you. Right now. Right now, I need 50 pounds from you. And, and, and you go, oh, uh, hi, how, how are you? No, 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 no time to talk. I need 50 pounds. If you don't give me 50 pounds, that means you're not good. If you don't give me 50 pounds, then, then you're, 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 you're phony. How many of you actually give the friend 50 pounds or you would just walk away and go like, dude, you've got issues. And yet we do that to God. We run up to Him last minute. We run up to Him after we've messed up. And then we demand that He clean it up. And when He doesn't fix things into the way before it was broken, we complain that He's not real. Is He shepherd? Is he your shepherd or is he just your social media content? I put this down for fun. Because sometimes, you know, we, you know, I don't know, it's so easy to hashtag bless, hashtag church. You know, is he your shepherd or is he just something you fill up in forms? Religion, Christian. What does it mean? I have no idea. Amen? You know, we, we got we to come back to that place again. You know, God is not evil. And, and, and everybody can agree, I want God's goodness. I want God's mercy. You know, I, I, I want both. I need His blessing and His forgiveness because I'm a broken person. That, that beautiful balance of God's goodness. And yet God is only asking one thing. Would you say yes? Would you trust me to be your shepherd? 
And to do that, we gotta, we got to give Him, you know, leadership. we got to start giving Jesus leadership over our lives. we got to start giving Jesus leadership over our emotions. And, and David alludes to this because he says this, right? We all love, the Lord is my shepherd, and because He's my shepherd, I shall not be in want. I won't have any wants because all my wants are fulfilled in Him. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Wow. And He leads me beside still waters. Verse 2 is already a challenge to giving God leadership over our, our future and our, our, our future path. You know, how many of you have prayed to God this before? God, it looks so good over there. God, give me that person's lifestyle. God, give me that person's success. God, I'm not asking for all of Jeff Bezos' wealth. I'm just asking for just 1% of his wealth. Uh, God, give me that job. God, give me that girl. God, give me that guy. And yet, King David is saying that, no, when you're with God, the green pastures are never over there. They're right here. And so part of Making God our shepherd is to trust Him that where we are is where He wants us to be. And it might not look green to you naturally, it is green pastures. Amen? And, and, and when you can do this, He says that He restores your soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. And then let's jump on to verse 5, which is a real exercise in giving God leadership, you know, making Him the shepherd of our emotions. You know, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. In other words, God is saying that when you are surrounded by hardship, when you're surrounded by haters, I'm going to be there with you. Not only be there with you, I'm going to throw a banquet for you. Do you know how hard it is to enjoy meal? when you're surrounded by trouble? Don't say trouble. I mean, I'm a guy. I can't even go to the toilet when there's another guy standing next to me. You know what I'm saying? What more when there's enemies around me I'm supposed to eat? Uh, okay, too, 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 too restrictive example. You know, sometimes we go to restaurants and, uh, uh, or maybe food courts and, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's one time I was catching someone at Victoria Food Hall and uh, it was kind of like a free for all. There's different, different stalls, different food, uh, uh, no street vendors. And uh, we were to order our meal, get a buzzer, and then find a table. And it was packed. And, uh, you know, we were, we were trying to find a table. And, you know, I'm not sure about you, but how many of you have been there before? You're at a restaurant, you're at a food court, you're sitting down, and then somebody, in the corner of your eye, you notice somebody is staring there. You know, standing there, motionless, staring at you using their Latin ESP ability to communicate the fact that, dude, I'm really hungry and my buzzer's going to go off anytime. Can you finish up your drinks ASAP? And how many of us in those situations and circumstances feel uncomfortable and go like, you know what, uh, okay, okay. Let, hey, come on, guys. Let's just finish up. Let's go someplace else for chit-chat. Let's, let's surrender our table, right? I mean, that, that's, well, church, that's what you should do. Anyway, you know, but God is saying that, no, I, I want you to learn to trust me I want you to learn to surrender your emotions. I know it's not easy to enjoy a banquet in the midst of your enemies, but, but when you begin to surrender your emotions and make me the Lord of your emotions, you're, you're going to benefit so much more. Amen? Is he, is he shepherd uh, over our conversations? Is he shepherd over our thoughts? Is he the shepherd over our finances? Is he the shepherd over our time? Is He the shepherd over our job? Or is that you? 
or your boss? Is he the shepherd over your private life? Is he the shepherd of your future? These are questions we're going to ask ourselves. If God is truly my shepherd, then make him completely your shepherd. Another thing you've got to understand about saying yes to Jesus as your shepherd is that to say yes to God, you've got to say no to something else. So you've got to ask ourselves, you know, I mean, have you said no to the world? You know, we can't please everyone. And not everyone in our lives will appreciate our faith, will appreciate our devotion. And so to say yes to God, we must not be afraid to say no to some people that even though we enjoy their company, they might not be good for us. Amen? This is some food for thought. If you, if you want goodness and mercy, putting your, yourself under God's leadership is easier said than done. Number two, say yes to the rod. It's easy to say, yes, God, I want your blessing. I want your love. I want your presence. Nothing wrong with, with wanting those things. Uh, but when it comes to having God in our lives, it's not just the good and the leadership and the trust that we're going to surrender to Him. Uh, we must also start to embrace and accept and learn to enjoy the rod. Uh, it says here, Though I walk through the valley of shadow death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And what you got to understand about the rod of God is that the rod of God represents His discipline. You know, in, he, in, in Proverbs, it says that spare the rod, spoil the child. You know, a lot of times we, we say that even in our family. How many of you, I know nobody here has children yet, but how many of you would say that, yeah, I'm not going to spare the rod for my child? Just, just out of curiosity, no? Everyone's going to, no? Okay, never mind. Okay, we'll have an interesting uh, parenting workshop in the days to come. <laughs> but rod represents God's discipline. And what the psalmist, what David wanted us to understand is this, that, you know, it is, if God is your shepherd, he will guide you to lead green pastures. He leads you beside still waters. He will restore your soul. And notice that there's a slight change. Sometimes we misread and we go like, and, and He brings us through the valley of shadow of death. No, verse 4 says, Though I walk through the valley of shadow of death. And David is just being very honest to say that God is good, but there will be times where we get it wrong. And there will be times when our actions cause us to get lost. You think you're taking a shortcut to success, but that shortcut is to your doom. And because you notice how it changes, you know, God will lead, He will lead, and then though I, it is this God brings me, though I, my fault that I somehow walk through the valley of shadow death, but the good news is this, even when I make mistakes, God is still with me. Because our God is a God who leaves the 99 to go for the one. But he says that, but when I am found in the wrong place, uh, I will fear no evil because you are with me. And when you do extend your rod and your staff, I, 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 I receive it with comfort. You know, some of you might or might not know this, but sheep are pretty dumb animals. 
They are really cute and fluffy, but they are not intelligent at all. And that's why the shepherd needs to have a rod and a staff. The rod and staff are not just there to, to protect in ancient times against predators like wolves and lions and bears, but it's also to whack the sheep when they get out of line. You know, the, the, the rod is to knock some sense into them because, you no, know, sometimes animals, uh, the, only, the only trigger they understand is pain. You know, no pain equals good. Pain equals bad. Get back on track. And so what the, the psalmist understands is this. Yeah, we're, we're, the principle to success is this, that when you mess up and when God comes in to discipline you, don't hate the discipline. Don't hate the correction. Train yourself to receive it as comfort. Because the truth is this, and we're reminded again, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 7. We were studying Hebrews chapter 12 last week, and, and there's this part that we didn't get to go to, but we're going to go to it this week. You know, if you endure chastening or discipline, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? And so David was trying to tell his people that when you do mess up, God will come to your rescue, but sometimes that rescue will result in a painful lesson. But when you're going through that painful lesson, don't despise the lesson. Don't hate God because of the lesson. Embrace it because God only disciplines those He loves. And the fact that, you know, if you feel like, man, I feel like God's teaching me a lesson, good. Because He loves you enough to teach you a lesson. How many of you here have, have made a wrong mistake, lost some money, and only to realize that is God teaching me a lesson? How many of you have failed a, a, a course, failed a paper, only to realize that, yeah, actually, it's got nothing to do with, with you know, God not being there. It's because I messed up. I uh, uh, didn't study enough. I, uh, God gave me all the time, but I squandered it all. And now I have to reset this paper. You know, if you're, you're going through that, you know, don't hate it. When you go through that, embrace it with love. Because when you begin to love and accept that lesson, God says that He actually sets you up for goodness and mercy. You know, I was just, uh, you know, talking to my, my father-in-law. And uh, he's not yet a believer, so I pray first. We're praying for his salvation. Uh, but, uh, you know, just randomly, uh, he was just asking, uh, 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 you know, me about, uh, you know, how the students are doing, da-da-da. And uh, he mentioned, and then just out of the blue, but I think it's, it's God. That's why I can use it as a summit illustration. Out of the blue, he just said, yeah, I remember when I studied tax. Because he later went on to uh, become the chief financial officer for Johnson & Johnson Asia Pacific region. So he was, you know, he was the, 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 the top, when he retired, he was at the top of his game. But he was, he was honest enough to go like, yeah, when I studied in school, you know, I failed my tax exam. I failed it. But he said, but that's why I'm so good at it now. Because I failed. And so I studied a, another time and another time and another time. And that's why I'm so good at it now. I'm like, okay, okay, yeah. Yeah, that's why I know when, when, when a cat was uh, sitting through her, her QRTS and because, you know, to, to, to uh, long story, she, before Pastor Cat could practice, she had to sit for like a, an, almost like another bar exam. And one of the papers was taxation law. And it was all Greek to her. But then she remembered, oh, she has a father 
And so she called the father and even though, you know, my father-in-law said, oh yeah, when she called me, you know, I, I haven't touched text for such a long time. But the moment I saw it, I, all of it came flooding back. I'm like, wow. Yes, because I failed. I'm like, oh, okay. And I was just like, oh, interesting. But I caught that. I'm like, wow. If, 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 if a non-believer, someone who doesn't believe in God, can see failure as an important lesson learned, what more believers who have a loving Father? Is God changed me part of your prayer vocabulary? Or is it all just God bless me, God protect me, God give me, God help me, God this, God... Oh, I, I, we need to maybe come before God and go like, God, help me to embrace your corrections. Because the truth is this, I have not made it. The truth is this, I am still learning. And I welcome your correction. And I welcome it especially when I have made errors. And this is a very comforting fact. The fact is this, that when we make mistakes, and sometimes in life, we accidentally choose the wrong job. And then we suffer for it. But does it mean that God's bad and He tripped us up? No. We chose the wrong job. But God is there salvaging. And as He salvages, it might be a painful lesson. But at least He loves us enough to give us that painful lesson. Amen? Point number three, and we'll wrap things up. Say yes to the flock. Say yes to the herd. Say yes to the church. It's all the same point. You see, what does a shepherd look like? A person who walks with one little lamb? No, that's Mary. Right? Like the song we learned, Mary had a little lamb. It's a really dark song when you think about it. Had. I'm like, what happened when the song was written? Like, did she come back from the butchers? Did she just have dinner? It's like, Mary had a little lamb. Sorry, did I just destroy your childhood for you? That's not a shepherd. Mary's not a shepherd. Mary, Mary's, Mary's a psycho. Uh, and, uh, but shepherd is someone with a, a big herd of sheep. And so what David was trying to teaches people is that all this strength and all the benefit, the only reason I'm able to say with confidence, surely goodness and mercy will chase me down and, and push me forward and not make me you know, lose myself and, and, and get lost away from the crowd is because I am part of the herd. I'm part of the flock. I'm part of the group. And what we need to understand is that when God blesses, He many times, more times than not, blesses a group. Blessings, many times, we need to understand, it's not just a singular thing. Yes, God blesses an individual, but God's end game is always for the individual to be a blessing to an entire family, entire nation. The blessing can start with Abraham, but it landed to all nations. The blessing can start with Jesus, but it ended with all nations. The blessing was for Moses and his life preserved, but that blessing led to an entire nation freed. Do you understand God's economy? God's heart is always for the crowd. And so what we need to understand is this, for us to be recipients, for us to be guarded by God's faithful sheepdog's name, goodness and mercy, we've got to be part of the flock. 
Because you're not part of flock, then you're enemies of the sheepdog. But when you're in it, you know, the, the, the God's rear guard, God's under-shepherds come around you, protect you, push you forward. In other words, we got to understand once and for all that church is not man's idea, it's God's idea. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, Jesus didn't just go like, oh, I'm here to save souls. No, I'm here to start my church. And it says to you very clearly, also I say to you that you, Peter, and on this rock, the rock was the confession that Peter gave to Jesus, that you're not just a man, you're not just a comforter, you are the Son of God who came to save us. You are Messiah who's come to take away all of our sins. And upon that confession and that revelation, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You see, being part of a church is not just a social gathering. We're part of, of, of a life-saving business. We're part of pushing back darkness business. The next time your friends ask you, where you go on a Sunday morning, oh, I'm, going, I'm going to push back the darkness. I'm going, I'm going to claim back enemy ground for the kingdom of God. You'll be like, whoa, that's so hardcore. Can I go? There's always room for more. Come See, church is never meant to be just a little tea party among Christians. Church is meant to be, to be you know, a place of, 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 of salvation. It's meant to be a place of celebration. It's meant to be a place of healing. But too many times we hear people say this, I, I love God, but I don't like His church. I love God, but I don't think I need His church. You know, Jesus, even when He was on earth and He did you know. Trained up his disciples. There was 12 of them. 12 of them. These are people who were, you know, Jesus laid his hands on them, prayed for them, taught them how to preach, taught them how to heal, and then he sent them out. How did he send them out still? One by one? Two by two. Because God understands that we are too weak by ourselves. Friends, the truth is this, you know, church is not only God's idea, but we need community more than we realize. It is in community that we find strength. It is in community that there's safety. You know, Jesus, you know, many times you look at Him and you go like, well, that's not very efficient, Jesus. And you got 12 disciples, send out 12 teams. But Jesus says, no, I got, I got 12, but I'm going to send out 6 teams because you don't understand there's something about 2 by 2. There's something about watching each other's back uh, that can preserve us for the long run more than anything, more than any lone wolf. Some of us were lone wolves by nature. You understand that? You know, you, you have no problem going on a holiday by yourself. Don't raise your hand. Because I know lone wolves would do that proudly. I, you have no problem going to a restaurant by yourself. Excuse me, sir, table for one. Oh, okay. Well, you have to sit at the bar. No problem. But when it comes to faith, we're never asked to be lone wolves. In fact, we're never asked to be wolves. We're asked to be his sheep. We're not asked to be his lamb. We're asked to be his path, his sheep, his, his flock, his crowd, his community. This is Jesus' idea. Many times people say that, oh, you know what, I think I, you know, uh, I've outgrown, you know, uh, this church, you know, is good for community, but I want something deeper. We don't understand that actually it's community that, that keeps us rooted. It's community that anchors us. You know, so much of, of what we are able to accomplish, you know, it's, it's not because we are lone wolves or, or even though 
two of us came here from Malaysia to, to plant and to grow church, but it's because we sit under the bigger sea, the bigger church. And so much of our success and what we see today, the growth that we see today, is not just because of our own doing, but it's because it's a trickle effect from the, the corporate anointing that God has given Acts Church globally. Amen? And we got to understand that and go like, goodness and mercy is reserved for God's flock. One last verse and scripture and then we'll close. Is that okay? John chapter 13, verse 34 to 35. John 13, 34 to 35 says this, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. This is Jesus speaking. That you also love one another. By this all, say all, will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. That the best way for a believer to make a difference, the best way for a believer to evangelize is not to just go out there and, and read up all the theology you can, but to actually be part of a community. It is when people see your generosity that they believe that there is a God. It is when people see your patience that they believe that there is a God. How do you have patience when you're alone? Do you know that when you're alone, you don't need no patience? Do you know when you're alone, there's no, there's no need for generosity because you're just giving to yourself? Generosity is when you, when you shower other people. And so we got to understand, man, God help me to say yes. What does this mean? It means that get involved. Get involved. Don't just come and, 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 and sit, but get involved. Get involved by serving. Get involved by being part of a, a homes group. Get involved by being part of a team. Get involved by bringing someone. Amen. And when you do that, goodness and mercy will chase you down. Goodness and mercy. And one last funny example, because I like to end with a cheerful note. There was one time, uh, someone, I think they didn't get the job, or they got the job, I can't remember. Um, I think they didn't get the job. They went for an interview. And, uh, or I say it positively, but I'll try, I'll try. Uh, they, they went for a job, and uh, immediately, you know, they had a very impressive CV, and uh, the person welcomed them. Oh, please, thanks for coming in. Uh, my name is Edward. This is my colleague, Jilin. Uh, why didn't you take a seat? And then the moment the person sits down, they ask, ah, so could you, do you mind just repeating our names again? And then the person went like, oh... My CV? Long story short, the person didn't get the job. But I can't help but wonder and imagine if only that person had rooted himself in church. And then you'll be able to sit there. And then the moment, hi, my name is Edward. This is my colleague, Jillian. Please sit down. Can you, can you repeat our names again? Yeah, you're Edward. She's Jillian. Wow, that's very good. You're, you're, you're quick to remember people's names. Yeah, because I go to church. Because I serve on the ushering team. We stand there, and in my church, you know, we, we, we leave the best of the best to be ushers because they can handle standing outside there in the cold. And they're trained to memorize people's names. Wow. God's goodness and mercy shows up in more unexpected ways than we can ever imagine. And a lot of it is through our interactions with each other. How do you learn to work with people who are different than you? Church. Why? 
because we're all messed up. There's no such thing as a perfect church. We're imperfect people serving a perfect God. And it's in, it's in our imperfect worship of a perfect God that His perfection is magnified. And so when you go to a new place to work and then you know, office politics around and you're able to just, you know, cause it to be peace, peace be still. Why? Because I go to church. If you think these are a bunch of rascals, you should go to my home school. No, I'm just joking, just joking. <laughs> just joking, just joking. <laughs> say yes to Him as our shepherd. Really say yes. Say yes to His discipline and correction. David knew this. Remember not too long ago when we read about David sparing the life of Saul when he was being hunted. And he cut off a side of his robe to prove that, he, look, I spared your life. But the Bible actually says, you can go back and read it. When he did that, his conscience acted against him. In other words, the Hebrew word was that God caned his heart. Can you imagine the last time you were caned? Okay, I'm talking to Western audience. There's, there's no such thing. Okay, I apologize. Okay, this is my archaic Asian upbringing. I used to be kin as a kid, but it was nothing wrong. I love my parents. Uh, no, just, just clarification, no, no abuse of any sort. I'm normal, I think. But, but when, you're, when you're cane in your hand, it, it stings. It, 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 it hurts. And, and God uses the word, you know, David's conscience was king. As you serve God, God will challenge you. You know, have you feel that way before? When you're about to give to the offering bag and then you think you're giving your best and then you feel like a you can do better. Mm, not now, God, not now. <laughs> Next month. <sighs> when you're trying your best and then, you know, you, for whatever reason, you came late to church and you're trying to sneak in and then you, you feel your conscience cane even though the ushers welcome you. Say, hey, so good to see you. And you feel like, oh, I can't look you in the eye. What's that? That's not just your shame. That's God's correction. But what are you doing with it? Are you taking it and, 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 and changing your life or are you just taking it as a walk of shame? Amen? No. What if your pastor comes up to you and challenges you instead of telling you, oh, you're fearfully and wonderfully made, get your life together, otherwise God will end you, you know? And you go like, this is, this is the worst church ever. I, want, I just want God. I just want you. Maybe the thing you got to ask yourself is this. If you can't take it from your pastor, how can you take it from your God? But I'm glad that I know that that's not us as a church. Recently, I had a challenge. Uh, some people, I won't name names, about their giving. And uh, I just heard that they have been working, but they have not been tithing. And I, 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 I don't. I don't check people's account, but somehow I just, the conversation came out and I heard, and I, I had a choice. I could just, you know, be the nice guy pastor, or I could, do my part and challenge that brother and sister. If I choose to be a nice guy pastor, God would cane my heart. So I had to go like, hey, brother, sister, none of the giving comes to me. First of all, I want you to know that. But secondly, more importantly, I want you to honour God with your finances. Otherwise, your finance will not thrive. Because when you begin to surrender, you know, to God, you know, God will begin to bless your finances. And so I, I trust that, you know, I hope that you will do this, you know. I heard that you haven't been tithing, but please, brother, please, sister, change that habit. I'm glad that they took it. And I can guarantee you, because they took that correction well, goodness and mercy will chase them down. Will we say yes to God's correction? 
Amen. Even if it comes in the form of your cell group leader, your fellow brother and sister in Christ. And last but not least, let's say, let's, let's, let's begin to be a new generation that loves the church. They will not talk ill about the church because we are the church. And we'll all do our part to make it grow. We will serve, we'll bring friends, we will take ownership of the church and not just go like, oh, we're going to church, that's the pastor's business. No, but all of us, let's take ownership and go like, this is my church. I'm going to come because when I come, I add a valuable contribution and that contribution is me. Because no one can sing like me, no one can serve like me. So when I, when I come together, it builds a beautiful tapestry, a slice of heaven. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for your word. And God, we thank you that you desire our lives to be followed by goodness and mercy. This is not just man's want. This is your heart. This is part of the benefit of being part of the flock. But God, we also know that being part of the flock means so much more than just eating off green pastures and lying down. It means saying yes to you as our shepherd. Saying yes to you in everything that we do. Making you Lord and Master over every area of our lives. Allowing and welcoming your correction and your confrontation when we stray from your path. And it also means that to be part of your family, be part of your idea. Church is God's solution to the brokenness of the world. When you accept Christ, you find the answer for eternity. But when you are part of a church, you find your destiny. And every church is part of the larger body of Christ. And every church has a function, just like every body. Part of ours has a function. Every organ has a function. Every finger has a function. Every church has a function. And it is when we work tandem together for the glory of God. When Christ is the head, that great things are accomplished. So when you are part of a church, you are, you are part of destiny. God's destiny. Would we say yes to all the above? Would we say yes to Him? If you've been touched by today's message and would like to invite Jesus into your life, why don't you join me in saying this prayer? Lord Jesus, thank you for paying the ultimate price for my sins by dying on the cross for me. I receive your love and forgiveness and eternal life by faith. Come into my heart and life and be my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in today. We hope that you've been blessed by today's message. For more information about Acts, you can check out www.axchurch.uk. God bless.